Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Oh, it's that time of year again when love is in the air, or at least corporate greeting cards are in the air. It is almost Valentine's Day, my friends, and we here at Second Print Comics Podcast, we like to stay topical, we like to stay with the times, so we decided to bring you a little Valentine's Day-themed episode, uh, and to do that, of course, it's not just going to be here, me here, the miraculous, marvelous Mark Clare, I also have my my podcasting Valentine, I guess, this week, Remzo Martinez, who has, in fact, survived the COVID, is almost fully recovered. Remzo, how you doing? How you feeling? I hear you've been cheating on me of Dan Smots, and I am you know, not okay with that shit. But it's know, I, funny, so I'll allow it to keep going. There's some other podcasters out there that sometimes I will, you know, hop in the hop in the recording with, pop into the Zoom meeting with, have a little chat. It doesn't mean anything. It's not. It, it's, See, that's that's what people say when it does. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it means something. <laughs> Remzo is referring to actually the WandaVision recaps that I have been doing exclusively for our Patreon supporters, patreon.com slash secondprintpod. Uh, I do those along with our friend Dan Smots of a little podcast called The System is Down, uh, where he talks about anything and everything. He's not even paying me for this plug, but here I am anyway. Um, conspiracies, religion, politics. It's, it's a really great show. I think you guys will enjoy it. So check out The System is Down. And check out our Patreon, because that is where we do all sorts of exclusive bonus content. I think uh, you've been on such a good hot streak, Remzo, but you finally did miss a Remzo rant this week. I think we're going to be forgiving, considering you're, um, you know, bedded up with the couve. I, I am not happy with China. I have intentionally been going through everything in my house, determining what products <laughs> and stuff will I no longer buy. And this has nothing to do with, uh, you know, the Chinese people, but has everything to do with the fact that, man, COVID sucks. And not not to get into a, a Rona train or anything, but like if if you think you're if you think you're sick, like go get tested because I caught I think I explained it last week, but I caught COVID 
And uh, like immediately I caught pneumonia and I've never had pneumonia in my life. And I've been, I think, COVID free for about five days now, give or take. But the, the thing, the way it treated my lungs, it's like Manny Pacquiao came over and used me as a freaking punching bag for a little bit. So I've got my, I've got most of my breath back, but um, you know, it's, it it's rough. And like, I consider myself a pretty, a pretty healthy person, but please, like I was afraid of the test to be completely honest. It took literally five minutes. It wasn't that uncomfortable. And I got my results within 10. So was go, it the one where they it. shove it way up your nose? No, they did that to my girlfriend though. Oh, because here, here's the weird thing. She, she tested and she'd been with me the entire time, which is why I was, I mean, I was in Maryland where she lives. Um, she tested positive, but she didn't, during the rapid test, but she didn't have symptoms. So what they did was they gave her the longer test. It takes a couple of days and she tested negative with that. So it was, it was really weird. But did she ever get sick? No. And she was with you this whole time. Yeah. Wow. She also, she also caught, she also got the first vaccine from Johnson Johnson about a week before I came so the whole thing is just weird. And I, I mean, just, just go get tested folks because it, it might be COVID. I, you know, the flu symptoms were not that terrible, but the fact that it, I was dealing with that and then the pneumonia stuff, it's not fun. It's uh, it's no bueno. So go get tested. All right. Well, in unrelated news, today's episode is sponsored by our friends at Johnson and Johnson. Please go get your COVID vaccine from them, no matter what it costs. Johnson and Johnson <laughs> back to the program. Uh, but yeah, no, Valentine's Day. I, I always remember growing up, Marvel used to be really good about this. Then DC picked it up and then they stopped doing Valentine's Day specials uh, for certain characters and one shots and stuff like that. The Valentine's episodes, I'm sorry, the val- oh, now I'm getting infected by Markisms. Uh, the Valentine's Day issues, the specials, the those types of comics, those always used to be really the the funniest they always had a, a kind of a comedic turn of them but what's funny about comics is that they often get the reputation of being just soap operas that you pay for which i do get to a certain degree but what's funny is when you look at uh you know certain relationships throughout story some that stand out you know more so than others but it, it's always funny because fan reaction always takes things in one way shape or form even even canon you know traditional call uh comic book uh, shipping, even that tends to be a little bit contentious. So today what Mark and I have decided to do was we've taken our top five favorite comic book couples and we're, we're going to kind of talk about what we like about them, what we might not like about them and why the other person is wrong. So that's about it. Well, I'm ready. This is actually a tough one for me because, uh, well, well, we'll, we'll figure it out as we go. Let's put it, let's put it that way. I think we've both assembled sort of a top five list. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Do we want to kind of go in a, a reverse order to get to each of our number ones and then kind of debate along the way? Obviously, as you guys can see, we don't, we don't produce the short beforehand. We, we have our production meetings live on the air. So <laughs> yeah, you know, one of us might be dying. The other one is just trying to make do, but yeah, I think, I think we'll, we're good. So we'll start from five and we'll work our way down to our, to our number one comic book ship as the kids call it. All right. That's fair. And uh, I'm sure there'll be some controversy along the way. Um, This I believe was somewhat of my brainchild. So maybe I'll start. I'll start with my number five, my number five. I'm going to start a little bit outside the box. Um, This is not a comic that everybody out there has necessarily read, but you're going to get introduced to it a little bit. We're going to get introduced to it sometime on the show for sure. Uh, I know Remso and I are both fans of it, so I'm sure we're going to be diving into it at some point. Um, But my number five couple 
is Mark Grayson, Invincible, and his longtime love interest, girlfriend, wife, mother of his child, um, Adam Eve from the series Invincible. I already don't like it. <laughs> Just there's to start be, strong. There's going to be a lot of controversy on this episode, actually. Um, uh, let me tell you what I do like about this couple right away. Um, they've been through a lot. They are not your classic couple. Uh, not to spoil spoil the series too much, but they don't start off together. They start off kind of with separate people, although you can kind of tell in the background that there's something going on there. Uh, their relationship is actually spurred on in a very interesting way. I said I'm not going to spoil things, but I'm, I'm about to spoil something that happens in the series. So Just deal with do it. it. Uh, Invincible, Mark Grayson gets shunted forward in time and meets an older version of Adam Eve who implores him to just to basically to either shit or get off the pot, either express your love for for Eve and, you know, know, go for it or or tell her that you're never going to be interested and that you definitely want to be friends and and make a break because otherwise she's going to live this tortured life of will he, won't he, you know, should he, shouldn't he, should they, should they, uh, will they, won't they, et cetera, et cetera, uh, forward and onward or what have you. Uh, So he goes back and he basically is like, oh, okay, I guess I I should do that. So he he does end up with her, but then later it comes out that the whole thing happened because of that. So of course she's upset about that. And there's a million different things that happen. happy. You really can't. It's it's because my future self told you to do it. What? But it was you. So how could you be bad? But anyway, um, but they've been through a lot. And and one thing I liked about this couple too is there was a there was a period where um, you know Mark Grayson went out in space. uh, Many periods actually for extended periods of time. And that's the one thing I will say I like about the Invincible series. Everything matters, and everything everything that happens actually has a has a direct impact on future storylines. Whereas absolutely what. I love it's the same thing I love about Savage Dragon I think they have a lot of similar qualities those two series everything freaking matters even things you think don't matter throw away fight scenes from one issue come back 40 issues later and completely tie in everything freaking matters in this series same thing with Savage Dragon that's one thing I as a quality I love in a series when things all matter internally you can really see things are done for a purpose and that is really in many ways only possible with creator owned comics that that are in it for the long haul like Robert Kirkman had complete control over Invincible had a beginning point and end point and, and did the whole thing um, same thing with Eric Larson on Savage Dragon you could never really have that kind of internal consistency in a Marvel or DC book when they're changing writers, change, uh, changing that, creators, why, editors, etc. Yeah, I mean, that's why I feel like certain series I just can't go back to because I feel like the best of hits, so to speak, seem to be where the the character storylines really end. Like I, I was reading Dan Slott's Spider-Man uh, during the brand new day period and stuff, and it was like around 20... 2013, 2014, I just kind of stopped because it got to the point where it's like, you know, how much more Peter Parker can we get out of these stories? Because it's not like I I stopped loving the character. I still really love Spider-Man. He'll still probably always be my favorite hero. But um, I feel like with the current stories and stuff, it's like, really, what more are you going to offer me? What different stuff are you going to offer me? And the same goes for Captain America. Um, That's why, like last year, I, I talked so much about Brian Michael Bendis' Superman run. Because for the first time in years, I felt like Superman, one of my favorite heroes, actually felt fresh and unique and different for once. 
And that's what brought me back to Action Comics, which is why with Bendis leaving, going to Justice League in a few months, I, I've stopped collecting Superman because it's just like all the writers are just going to revert to what they're traditionally accustomed to. No growth, no change. It's just going to be the same consistent formula. There's really no impact despite all the crazy things going on in the DC universe. So, yeah. I have not given much of my opinion on Brian Michael Bendis, even though he's come up a few times. So I will use this time to do that. Brian Michael Bendis is one of the most confusing writers to me, to be honest, because I have read some of his work that I think is phenomenal, like completely blows me away, uh, such as Secret War, one of the first stories we looked at. Whereas I will read other works of his where it just feels hacky, it feels overwordy, it feels pointless, directionless. I'm thinking particularly I got into his, I believe this was him again, that he wrote the Invincible Iron Man run that introduced Riri Williams. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that 99% was, that sure was, that was terrible. But for, and that you was see, awful. For, for every awful. Riri Williams he creates, he also creates a Miles Morales. Yeah, exactly. So I, I don't know what, I find him wildly inconsistent. So I, he definitely has, I definitely, you know, I'm not a comic book writer. He is, I'm not going to fault the man. He's definitely done a lot of good work, but I, it's the, it's kind of the same thing. Maybe I should, they should be all in the same category for me in some ways. Uh, Cause I, I kind of almost see him a very different kind of writer than Tom King or than Jonathan Hickman, but the same kind of thing actually is what confounds I me about fond, them too. I have fond memories of reading Brian Michael Bendis stories. I don't have fond memories of reading Tom King stories really vision i really liked vision vision i was really excited for i read it on marvel unlimited recently and i was not happy with it because mr miracle run was really good see we're opposites there i liked vision and mr miracle didn't do it for me mr miracle i felt like his was was his peak and everything else after and before that is just going downhill uh back back to invincible and adam eve um not back yet because i had i was finishing a point okay (laughs) finish your brian michael bendis punch fest my my point of all three of these guys is they're they're obviously very talented writers and have have all all three of them have written stories that have truly captivated me like i love jonathan hickman's uh fantastic four run specifically uh like i said i did like the very beginning of tom runs batman run as well as his vision run there these are excellent writers and i've seen excellent work from from brian michael bendis um, but they are also the most frustrating writers because when they produce stuff that I think is just, I, I think that's what it is. I've seen their greatness in some way, shape or form. So it's sad and disappointing when I see work from them that I feel like could have almost been from any old hacky writer. Sometimes I will say Jonathan Hickman's a little bit of a different category because he's whatever he's doing at the time. He's definitely trying, man. He's definitely putting it. He tries he to try, build a he whole. He tries too hard. He tries too hard. That's what I'll say about, uh, about Hickman. But anyway, back to invincible. Yes. Uh, back to, uh, the relationship between Adam even and Mark. If Grayson. we're gonna, if we're gonna continue the spoil train for invincible, I might as well we say as the, well. the one thing that bothers me the most about this couple, Eve aborted Mark's child. They've been through a lot, Remzo. Like They've he goes to space and, and this is what you mentioned earlier about him going to space for long periods of time. Each time that happens, it Oops. like the Things days, change. the days actually go by. It gets all interstellar where, you know, he might be gone for a few days, but he's actually gone for like a decade or something. Mm-hmm. He comes back to earth. And what she tells him was right when he left, she found out she was pregnant. And then because she didn't know he was coming back or not, she aborted his child. And I, I, I already know I'm going to piss people off with this. You might disagree with me on this. this is not an abortion debate, but if your husband goes, okay, here's this, for example, if your husband goes off to I war. I think most reasonable people, regardless of their position on abortion, would probably all agree that he should at least know about it. At, the, should, at, a, at a minimum. He, yeah, she, he, she kept <laughs> Not it. Not granted, he's in space for, for a while, so maybe you can't but, but she exactly kept it, ring she, him up. She kept it for so long, and then she was like, I want to do this. So then she just aborted the kid. It's like, he was back by like a few weeks after that. 
And then she's like, well, you know, I didn't know if you were coming back. It's like, you, what, what does that have to do with the kid? All right, so that's why they're num- that's why they're number five and not number one. You know, the, the couple has had their they've had their faults, they've had their problems. Uh, I, one thing I really liked about them: one of the times he went to space and didn't come back for a while, he came back and she had gained a lot of weight because um, she she stopped being able to use her powers, and it turns out using her powers is what burned so many calories, which is why she was always so fit and so hot. And this then is why when I want to get bit by radioactive spiders as a kid, <laughs> and so she badly. stopped being able to use them. Um, but then, so she gained a lot of weight, and I just liked how they dealt with that as a couple like in a realistic way and they actually had like a lot of sexual problems due to it but they got through it and they actually they it actually showed them to be such a really loving couple that they got through some difficult times and some things that are difficult for couples to talk about uh i thought there was a really good message that's in that. such a selfish thing though it's like i what? didn't want i didn't want to have another child because i didn't want to oh, take care of it myself and because oh, we're talking I'm about the abortion anyway. again yeah but it, it was all connected it's all like within a couple of issues so it's like all she this is going to sound terrible. All she does is think about herself. Well, then if it, <laughs> let's just say I can't wait. I can't wait for my some of my other picks, considering how you feel about them. So, um, but is, uh, anyway, is, we're still on the first pick. <laughs> we're on number five. <laughs> um, I, the, the couple has their faults. I'll put it that way. But I, I enjoyed them mm-hmm. as a couple throughout the run and the entire arc. And I, I do feel like despite their problems, they were meant for each other and they dealt with each other. And they dealt with a lot of real life problems, which you don't always see dealt with, uh, at least not like these type of problems. You don't always see dealt with in the comic. Sure, she didn't make all the right decisions along the way, perhaps a very arguable, uh, very arguable point there. But overall, I'm a big fan of them as a couple. Did you, you finished the series, right? Yeah. Well, I will say mm-hmm. is that Spoiler alert! In case you haven't figured it out by now, <laughs> we're officially people. spoiling all of yeah. Invincible in this. Like episode. when, like when Mark is is raped by that one lieutenant in her father's army, and he and he confesses it to to Eve. That was handled very well. Yeah, because it was great. that it was, was one really of the situations wonderful. where she's actually the supportive spouse, and she's not going to just lunge at him like, "No, you just wanted to fuck her." It's like, no, Mark is having problems because of what she did to him. Like she brutally beat him. Yeah, he was traumatized. I mean, you guys got to read Invincible. Like, this is the kind of stuff that gets talked about in the series is it's so far beyond just a regular comic book superhero series. And there is the uh, it's a good time to get into it because the uh, the animated series is coming very very soon on yes. Amazon Prime. I am I am super excited for that. So yeah, so we'll, we'll have to do Invincible soon. Now that we spoiled half half. Yeah, we <laughs> we, we just run. covered like all the most egregious parts of the Actually, series. Actually, don't bother reading it. We just told you everything. <laughs> Um, okay, my my number five pick is uh, is is kind of basic, but for me, I I, I have I have a lot of uh, care. I'm I'm very I'm very committed to seeing this couple go long term. But it's Captain America and Sharon Carter. Um, it's kind of weird sometimes knowing that Captain America at one point was banging her aunt Peggy during World War II, and then she it's comes. It's really back. weird. It's super weird in the in the MCU. It's even weirder when they're both alive at the same time. <laughs> Yeah, that that was uncomfortable. But with Sharon Carter and with uh, Steve Rogers, what I've always liked about them is you've seen Steve with like a lot of different women over the years. And Sharon and Steve, they always maintain this friendship. So whenever they broke up for some reason, they they always maintained a professional relationship to that. And for them, it wasn't just they did a few times like it's years and years. They move in together and they're able to, uh, you know, still remain you know, co-workers and shield and stuff, despite that. But you see, you've seen Captain America with other super powered women, uh, Scarlet Witch for uh, a few issues. You saw him with Diamondback for a couple of years. And then you see him with, uh, with other women who are non-powered, who only know his civilian identity and stuff. Uh, but him and Sharon keep coming back together. And the thing is like with, 
with Captain America, he's he's really risked his life for this woman in ways that he never he never went to those lengths with some of the others. Like he, he always wanted to save people, but with Sharon, it's like, she's the only one he's willing to really die for. And, uh, during the death of captain America arc in which, uh, Bucky eventually becomes captain America, Sharon stays part of the series. Like she's very important to the story itself. And, uh, what you really see is that in the depth of captain America, that's when she has to discover why it is that she loves not just captain America, the hero, but Steve Rogers, the man, and uh, that that's a type of relationship you don't often get to see um, in many comics, especially in many comic couples that go on for like 60 years or something. So I think in the comics, it was always done better than it has in the film, because in the film, they they never got that far. We're going to see, uh, you know, Sharon Carter return in the Falcon and Winter Soldier. But by this point, you know, post Endgame, he's already lived his entire life with Peggy. So that 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 opportunity I feel was missed in many ways. I feel like it was a bit haphazard for the MCU. It makes sense. He would be canonically in a romantic relationship with Peggy, but in terms of comics, they're always going to be one of my favorite couples. Isn't it so weird of the MCU? If you think about the current timeline, theoretically that they've laid out is that Steve Rogers is in love with Peggy Carter gets frozen and ice gets unthawed. She's still alive. Um, but then kind of gets flirty with his daughter in the comics. They go a lot further. I think in the movie, they, they just had like the one big kiss in civil war. And and that was, uh, Sharon was her, was her niece. What did I say? Daughter, which would make it even weirder. Well, that'd be way weird. Yeah. Whatever, whatever it is. It's weird. It's weird either way. It's still weird. Then he's kissing Sharon Carter while Peggy's alive. But in reality, Steve Rogers is also in that time with Peggy Carter. And seeing young him be flirty with hey Peggy's man, current you got, you, got let, you got to let the timeline flow. <laughs> <laughs> you got to let the timeline flow. I'll be honest. I have not read a ton of material in the comics that had a lot of strong you know, relationship stuff between Captain America and Sharon Carter. I read uh, a bit of Mark Wade's Captain America and, and uh, in like late in the mid to late nineties at heroes return. Um, I've read some of the stuff surrounding civil war, but I can't say I've seen enough of the relationship in the comics to be able to fully judge it that much. He's just, I guess whenever I picked up the series, she has either not been that integral of a part in it, or it just wasn't, you know, parts in the series where that was explored that much. So I can't really give you much, much resistance one way or the other on this one. So I'll just, I will just respect your thoughts on it. They're they're a pretty neutral couple. I'll say that. But for me, they've always been one of my favorites. All right. Well, speaking of resistance, there's going to be a resistance here. Uh Bring it. (laughs) This next one, you know, I, I almost didn't put it on here because I felt like it would just being, I would just be trying to pick a fight. Like I'd just be trying to be subversive here. But you know, when I think back to my, my early days of comic book fandom, like I love this couple and I, I can see a lot of the criticisms, especially in one of the series we looked at. Um, but I really enjoyed them as a couple to me. They were my comic book couple. They were who I related to. And that is Peter Parker, the Spider-Man and Mary Jane Watson. Hate they it. were my 90s couple. Um, I know you hate them together. I think this and this is I... one of the most contentious things within the, the Second Print Comics fan zone for patrons. Because I have caused more people to yell at each other in the comments because of this than I think anything else Capital letters, people. There's been a lot of capital letters over this issue. It's been a lot. Uh, are they your 
Okay, let, let, let me let me run this down. So they're my nostalgia pick. I would say, let's put it that way. Okay, do you think that she's the best for Peter? <laughs> I'm gonna get the full <laughs> interrogation here. Like the best out there. Um, do you think of all the people <laughs> I mean, that of all the people you can see a Spider-Man poster behind me? Of all I mean, the Gwen people, is dead, so I can't. You know, she's out of contention. Okay, what about we're talking what, Spider Gwen from an alternate reality? What about she's she's a kid? Uh, what about uh, what about Black Cat? They seem like they'd be decent together. I know you've been a, you've been pushing for them to be a couple for a long time. I'm I'm a like, big I'm a big fan of that. I'm not I, even think Carly, I even think Carly Cooper from Brand New Day was better than MJ because at least she could keep a job. I don't know. And I don't she know wasn't, that story at all. Oh, she was she's a, she was a throwaway girlfriend for a while. Is that the one where Mephisto wiped out the relationship from memory? Brand New Day? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I have been avoiding reading that because I hate the idea <laughs> that that you can wipe out like a decade worth of relationship where not only the characters have to like forget that it happened, but so does everyone they've ever interacted with in every story that they've been in over all these years. It just makes no sense to me. I hate it. I think it's stupid and dumb. So just have them divorce. If you don't want them together, have them break up, have a real life storyline where it happens. Who who Um, did you, who did you like more? Did you like Kirsten Dunst as MJ in the McGuire Spider-Man films? Or did you like um, Emma Stone, America's sweetheart who played Gwen Stacy in the amazing Spider-Man films? If I have to pick one, I'm taking Emma Stone. But that I think that speaks more to the actress than the, the character. Necessarily. Okay. Okay. Um, let's see. My problem yeah. with my problem with MJ is she's just she's just drama. She's you never, drama. You never had but, um, like even when he was dating a criminal, <laughs> it was less drama than MJ. Like I always felt like MJ's always on the cusp of leaving Peter, even when they were married. And it has nothing to do with, you know, actual problems. It's like, you'd rather save people with your spider powers than, you know, be home with me. It's like, can you imagine? It's like, do you not know that his uncle was shot and it was basically his fault and you just want him to spend more time with you? Like, how selfish are you? Thousands of people could die. And he's sometimes the only person that could save them. But it's always, who do you love, Peter? Do you love me or do you love Spider-Man? It's like, he doesn't really have a choice in either. I mean, he has a choice in you. He doesn't have a choice in Spider-Man. He will always be Spider-Man. But she's the only one I feel was always. Now, Gwen didn't know. Betty Brant didn't know. A few of the other girlfriends didn't know. But she knows. And she still chooses herself over him. That's right. She didn't just marry Peter Parker. She married Spider-Man. So, look, you know, they've had their ups and downs. Every couple does. This is. I feel like I'm going to be defending a lot of my couples this way, actually. Uh, <laughs> they've had their ups and downs. Now, it, it was just, it's It's really more a nostalgia thing. They were really, uh, I wouldn't say the first couple. We'll get to my very first comic couple later on. Uh, but, you know, when, when I was a kid, I, I could relate to Spider-Man because I don't know if he was technically still a teenager. I guess not. He was married at that point. But I still saw him as like a teenager. I saw the character as a teenager. I saw Peter Parker as someone I could sort of relate to. Um, so, you know, to me, him having this hot redhead girlfriend, maybe I just thought, well, maybe if Peter can, I can. Now, of course, Peter had spider powers. So maybe there's more to it than just yeah, that. Yeah, six pack. Um, <laughs> but I guess I just thought she was smoking. And when I was 13, that's kind of all that matters. She can be a little drama all she wants. She can go out to the club while, while Peter is dealing with maximum carnage and fighting venom and having huge battles in the streets of new york um so maybe she's not the best girlfriend the best wife but she's peter's she's she's mine she's my first my first hot redhead uh, comic book girlfriend or wife so it is what it is so they're my number four again that's why they're not number one Rimso. the flawed characters are going further down 
<laughs> well, this one, uh, if you if you're not very familiar with Captain America and Sharon Carter's relationship, this one might be a little bit more niche. But this is Winter Soldier and Black Widow. Did you ever read uh, Winter Soldier when he was Captain America? Uh, a little bit of it, but I'm not familiar with the extent of their relationship. So the where where it kind of starts is when he was the Winter Soldier. At one point, he was a trainer in the Red Room after Black Widow became a, a Red Room agent after the death of her first husband, who became the the Guardian later on in this in the Iron Man series. But uh, they they strike up this flirtatious relationship and eventually they start a secret affair. Uh, the red room finds out, puts him in cold storage for like 20 years because they think he's defunct. And then they put her through a ringer of like some of the worst missions in her life where she has to murder a ton of people as punishment for, you know, basically sleeping with their instructor. So they always had some of that flirtatiousness. And I think in Wolverine origins, when he goes back in a flashback and he's uh, discussing his time meeting Bucky and Captain America, World War II. I actually, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that Bucky and Natasha even knew each other during World War II. And it's years later when she finds out the Winter Soldier is Bucky Barnes. That's what spurs it on. But uh, was she, she was around in World War II. She also? was. She has a Russian version of the Infinity Serum, which Nick Fury had. So I don't. So they, they, they screw it up in the comics. They, they, they bring up clones and implanted memories and stuff. But for the majority of the Black Widow's canonical history, she took the Infinity Formula and she's like 90 years old looking like she's 30. Not bad. Not bad at all. But yeah, but basically uh, during the, you know, like after the Civil War, after the death of Captain America, when Bucky is trying to avenge uh, uh, Steve's death, uh, she becomes basically his sidekick, and then the romance comes back. And what's really great, I think it was Ed Brubaker who did this run, um, you have a lot of moments where it's not just Bucky in action. Like, that's what we really think of Bucky. It's like he's always fighting. He's always in action, especially when he was Captain America. I mean, he was Captain America, and he was part of the New Avengers. So for the first time, you see Bucky as Cap in multiple series. But there are moments where you, you get to see um, Black Widow and him just hanging out on the couch in his apartment, where they're grabbing dinner where they're talking about things and you actually see like a full on relationship really get flushed out. And that's what makes the combat, the missions even more dire because I mean, they, they know each other so well. They're a, uh, they're very vicious couple, but they're, but they're great in a way they complement each other in a way in which many comic book superhero couples rarely are able to do. I'd even say that it's better than when uh, black widow, was uh, co-headlining a book with Daredevil when it was Daredevil and the Black Widow during his time, I think, in San Francisco. They were an interesting couple, but they they weren't, you know, they they weren't as complementary to each other as Bucky and Natasha are. So, I mean, they they're they're a step above Sharon and uh, and and Steve for me because they they don't have that awkwardness factor going on. But in terms of a you know a good they're, they're, they're not only a good team together, but they're a good couple. They've got more of that mixture going there. I've always liked that. All right. Well, again, I can't comment much. You just had educated me on this couple. So 
Education. That's what a lot of this, uh, a lot of these lists are going to be. Um, well, going back over to my number three, this is one where I think I'm going to be able to educate you about a couple a little bit because I, I'm pretty sure. I don't know if you've gone ahead a little bit. I'm sure you haven't gotten this far if you have. Uh, so I'm going to have to. While we're spoiling series, uh, we're going to spoil a little, some things that happen uh, later on in my favorite series, Savage Dragon, for my number three couple, which is Malcolm Dragon. And Maxine, uh, who is his current wife and love interest. Before yeah, I not, dive in, I'm not, I, I'm not current. <laughs> nothing, right? No, I, I figured as much. But they're my, they're one of my favorite couples in in comic book uh, in comic book history and comic book lore. Uh, Malcolm met Maxine in high school. They were not uh, together right away. Uh, it's actually quite quite well. All right, how much do I want to get into? The, how much do I want to spoil Savage Dragon here? Let's just say Maxine is somewhat of a sex pot. Um, there is n- no other way to put it, really. Uh, she will admit as not much. Not even a trophy wife. Uh, no, I mean she's she's a she's a. I mean she's not a trophy. They're they're madly in love with each other. Uh, they're they're actually absolutely a great couple together. But she is she's a sex pot. She is a, a you might even say a sex addict. It's like it's like an issue that comes up a lot in the comic. Um, and she's always wanting threesomes and foursomes and all these things. And okay, I'm gonna really spoil the comic. If you don't want. Um, let's say if you don't want Savage Dragon beyond, let's say issue 160, 170 spoiled, uh, pause this podcast right now, maybe fast forward like 10 minutes to be safe and then go go, go forward. Otherwise I'm going to spoil some things that do happen later in the Savage Dragon series. But anyway, um, so Malcolm had an on and off again, kind of relationship with Angel, who is kind of his adopted sister, sort of like, like Dragon, his, his dad, the original Dragon, um, married, uh, (laughs) got married to Jennifer. Who Jennifer Flowers, I think was her name, and Jennifer Flowers. No, that's 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 one of Bill Clinton's uh, uh, tris. Yeah, it uh, wasn't. Her last name was not Flowers. Anyway, Smasher is the character. Smasher had a daughter, Angel. Um, they were kind of raised together, but this current Angel is actually a different Angel from a parallel reality. So they weren't actually raised together, and they kind of had a tryst. Uh, and then uh, Malcolm was also dating this other chick. This like this um this um I forget I forget her exact name. Um, she was like a black chick, and Maxine is a an Asian woman. Um, and now at some point in the midst of these kind of trysts, um, Dragon actually, Malcolm Dragon, this is the son of the original Savage Dragon, he actually has a threesome, a foursome with with um, Angel, his sort of adopted sister, but not really because this one's from a parallel reality. Uh, Maxine, his West current Virginia wife. bullshit is this? And this other chick. And gets them all pregnant. And in the at current the same Savage- time? At the same time, during the same sexual act, gets them all pregnant. There's a lot of pregnancy talk on this on this episode. A lot of weird pregnancy talk, from abortion to uh, to foursome pregnancies. They are they all get pregnant, and basically, like well, they, they it ends up that that <laughs> if only you all could see my face right now. <laughs> yeah, you need to see you need to see Remso's face right now. Dragon oh and Maxine God. end up raising all of these kids together, all three of them essentially, uh, as as their own. Uh, that for, is for various a commi- that is a committed family right there. That's a committed family, and these little dragon babies are being raised with superpowers, and there are actually consequences. Like one time, one of the dragon babies like rips someone's arm off, like a neighbor's arm off, just because it doesn't know her own strength. And Maxine actually becomes completely horrified, is like actually scared of the babies at one point. Um, there's another thing that happens where Maxine gets like some really bad ha- things happen to Maxine, like crazy things happen to Maxine, like. Stuff I don't even want to get into. Like, st- like this is like this series is so graphic and gory that I am not even comfortable fully describing it on this series, but any on this show. But any Savage Dragon fans out there listening will will know what I'm talking about. Crazy shit happens with this couple. Just absolutely crazy shit. But 
Malcolm is always there for her, always loving, always understanding, even when she does the craziest, craziest, craziest shit you can imagine. Um, they're always there for each other, and they're a super, super cute couple. They're always calling each other, you know, cute, cute little nicknames. Um, they, they, we always go back and get like graphic sex scenes from them. That is a an Eric Larson staple. Uh, he's been doing that ever since Dragon and Rapture were together in the original uh, Dragon series. Well, we're still in the same series, but um, a different main character now. Um, essentially, um, they are, they're just, they're an awesome couple. They've been through a lot of crazy shit between dealing with villains, dealing with powered babies, dealing with issues again, just like invincible. There's issues of rape that come up. Uh, there's a lot of serious issues. There's a lot of comedy relief. There's a lot of like graphic sex. These, this couple has been through so much shit together and they're just, they're amazing together. They're a really awesome couple. And I think anybody that's been reading the dragon series to this point will probably agree with me if not you know hit us up on twitter or in the comments and tell me why but uh i i love this couple dragon the original dragon his father he never had good relationships i never really liked him with anybody he was with um uh, but the luckily malcolm has not had the same kind of fate as his father he's been a very in a very uh even though it's been pretty crazy a pretty stable, a stable as a crazy superhero relationship that involves impregnating impregnating uh, people during foursomes uh, can be. So that that's is, my number three couple, Maxine they, they, and Dragon. They're both like the most admirable couple and the freakiest couple. Yeah, pretty much. My pretty God. Much. And I, I've only I've only touched upon the freakiness that, that goes on that goes on in this thing. You got to get there, Remzo. You just got to get there. You got to get there naturally. You got to read everything on the way. Oh my gosh! It's the only way to do it. Uh, my my third couple is going to be kind of boring, and my list is starting to change a bit from what I sent you on a uh, online mark but um my number 3 is probably one of the couples I get really sad about because they're no longer together but it's Black Panther and Storm T'Challa and Aurora Monroe and I thought it was actually on my original list I gave them the bump because I really wanted to <laughs> I really wanted to put Peter and MJ on there just to make you mad yeah I, <laughs> I I get well I get mad about Peter and MJ I get sad about Storm and Black Panther not just because they're not together but because of why they're not together um I will say that the the worst cross over event series Marvel has ever published was Avengers versus X-Men. It was the biggest shit show I have ever read. And it was entirely written and done. So that way Marvel could elevate the Avengers at the expense of the X-Men because of the Marvel studios, uh, Fox X-Men feud going on. And during that time, what they did was they took this fantastic couple, the King and Queen of Wakanda who had gotten married right before the Marvel civil war. And they divorced them because they were going to be on different teams. And the way they do is absolutely terrible because they make them fight in the middle of Wakanda. And then I think T'Challa just sends a letter to storm basically saying, yeah, our, our marriage of like six years, which is only a couple years in the comics is, is absolved. So, and then they, then they have nothing to do with each other for like five years. And immediately, uh, I mean, they, they, I think, I don't think they're dating right now. I don't think they're dating again, but like at one point, you know, storm and Wolverine had a thing going on. And then T'Challa is like this prolonged bachelor. And it's just, it's just bad. Um, but what I loved about them was that they, they were genuinely in love and Marvel did a really good job of really trying to plant those seeds with a, with a few different, um, mini series like storm where it shows that, 
uh, Ororo and T'Challa met each other. Um, this is one of the things I'm really excited about with the, the Fox acquisition, because now since we can get those characters in the MCU, I'm really hoping, and this is what pisses me off again, because I feel like there's even in, in fiction and reality, they're not allowed to be together. Now, since Fox has made the dumbass decision of not recasting T'Challa, we will not get to see T'Challa and Storm you mean Marvel, ever be together. Marvel yeah, yeah, Marvel, Marvel. Yeah, I'm, I'm just pissed about it. We will we will never get to see that. And that's depriving fans of seeing what I think could probably be the best MCU romance on screen. So you think they should not have they should not move on to a new Black Panther no. just because Chadwick both they just recast the actor. I think that I well, I think they should recast the character because it's already a loss that Chadwick Boseman, who I felt was going to be the new patriarch of the MCU. Uh, not only did we lose him as a talent, but now we're losing T'Challa and we just started really scraping at the amazing Black Panther stories that are out there. And, uh, you know, I think it's I think it's a bad decision because you're pun- because you're punishing the fans in a way, because everyone already has this loss of Chadwick Boseman. But now we have the loss of T'Challa. And that is what I think is a is a terrible decision. When Kevin Feige, I'm wondering said how that, they're gonna how they're gonna handle that too. Are they well, just gonna doing have a, they're doing a throwaway a line where he dies? I mean, well, I mean they're 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 continuing with the movie, but now they're doing a TV show, and it's like, listen, everyone thought everyone thinks that Wakanda in the MCU is cool, but I'm telling you, as somebody that read the comics before Black Panther became a thing, it's not that good to carry on its own. It's just not. Some things just aren't. Some things can be cool, but they're not good enough to carry on their own. We see this with spinoffs and stuff all the time. So to take away the marquee character, just because a lot of people are, you know, overly attached to him. Like, listen, I get it, man. Listen, I cried when Robin Williams died. I cried when Paul Walker died. And I cried when Chadwick Boseman died. So I'm not saying this is just another fan. Like I was a, well, then here's my question. Should they recast Robin Williams, they recast Mrs. Doubtfire for the sequel. They were going to make a sequel, Remzo, and it got canned they're, they're because doing, Robin Williams. Well, I mean, should we have a? They're, they're should doing, we have had? Should we have had like Seth Rogen being the new Mrs. It's Doubtfire? A, it's a remake, though. I don't care about that. I got so on I, on a, on Ben Stein's show, The World According to Ben Stein. This was one of the first things we ever talked about on his show. And ironically, we were talking about movies we wish were not getting remakes. And Plane, Trains, and Automobiles was one of the ones I brought up. And then somebody went on Google and they found that they're doing a, a new Plane, Trains, and Automobiles with I think Chris Rock and Owen Wilson. It's like it's not the same. But, you know, it doesn't bother me because it's not like they're just going to continue on pretending like this this didn't happen. Whereas with Black Panther T'Challa, it's like, listen, I, I get it, but you don't make something better by making it twice as bad of a situation. All right. Well, fair enough. I guess we'll see how it all gets handled. Yeah. So I'm, Black, not, sure, Black I'm Pan- not sure where Black I stand Panther on it. Black Panther Storm. I think I might be okay with like an entirely computer generated Black Panther movie. So oh, that would I'm be probably... like like Peter like Peter Cushing and Rogue One, yeah, where they just, just do it for a whole back. movie. We have the technology; just put them to work. How do you how do you genuinely feel about that stuff? Uh, I, 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 I well, I genuinely wouldn't actually want it as a movie. That's a joke, but um, I don't I don't mind it. Like it creeps like me the, the hell out, man. Like Luke Luke appearing in Mandalorian was perfect. And how else are you going to do that? There was no other way to he's do that. A, he's alive it, though. He's alive. Well, yeah, that's true. Oh, you mean about actually using dead people? <laughs> yeah. Like what, what they did um, with, Ro- well, okay, like Rogue One, Leia, that's a two-second scene. It doesn't matter. Peter Cushing got a credit for a movie he wasn't even alive to be in. 
I wonder if his family's getting residuals from that. Too. They are. They they allowed his estate to do that. That's how they were able to do it. Interesting. I suppose if the proper channels have been gone through and whoever the deceased person has passed their sort of, you know, estate onto who's entitled to make those decisions, if they feel that the character should be used and then why not? I don't know. Unless there's something explicitly the actor says now, maybe actors that are going to die have to put something in their will that says like, you can't use me in things or you can't use me or use me in this. But like Tim Allen might say, you can use me, but don't do a shaggy dog thing. For example, that might be one, one thing, but somebody puts in their will. I don't know. Um, maybe this is something people are going to start thinking about. Tupac. Would you pay to go see hologram Tupac? Oh man. Mm, Maybe. (laughs) That's the, that's the thing, I was gonna, though. I was going to say no, but then I actually pictured like a friend calling me up and saying, yo, man, you want to get a hologram Tupac show tonight? I got two tickets. Would I say no? I'm not I'm not sure. That, that's the weird part, though, because it's like you sure want to you want to experience Tupac, but you know that that thing is is not live. That thing on stage yeah. is not Tupac. No, but it's based on Tupac. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's it's OK. Let's move on. You're number two. All righty. Uh, moving on. My number two. This is where we're going to get a little more mainstream. I've went, gone a little a bit uh, you know, outside the norm with the first two picks. Um, but my, for my number two, I'm going to go pretty run-of-the-mill, you might say. But I think they are really, truly one of the best comic book couples. And that is Superman and Lois Lane. Ah, you uh, stole mine. Well, uh, should we, why don't we just say, that? Is that your next one? Let, let's get... Let's dive into it a little bit. I've got, I've got a reserve. It. I've got a reserve, so I could I could sub I could sub a new number one in. Well, I still I still want to know you're legit. You can't just sub in a number one. You can sub in a five. You can't yeah, sub in I a could, one. I That's could, not I fair. Could, well, you know, they could bring Tupac back from the dead, so I could I could sub it in. I I, I think uh, these are your number two. I had them as my number one. Well, I was going to say, honestly, it was close for me between my number two and number one. And I, I, again, what what it always comes down to for me was the nostalgia factor. And I, I, yeah, I grew up with Superman and Lois. I think that she is like the best, basically like, like second to a superhero. I think she's the best wife or husband or anything i mean she is she, she's, she's, she's the most supportive. she's number one yeah she's number one she's most supportive uh she's well almost most supportive we'll get there we'll get there i got a number one still though it was very close between my number two and number one and it was the nostalgia factor that pushed my number one above my number two so let's go to note your number two and uh i don't know how much more we need to dig into superman and lois we can talk about them more in the context of your number one though too okay my my number two and my number one, my number one being Superman Lois, which I am super excited for the series to come out on CW on February 23rd. I, uh, I, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, death. It's basically killing the Supergirl series, which should have been canceled seasons ago. But, um, my, my number two are Jessica Jones and Luke Cage because they're a more recent couple. But um, in terms of the last, I want to say, 16 years of them being married, it's been uh, it's been probably one of the coolest things because you've got these two very established characters that have been in a marriage longer than I think really any other comic book marriage has, except for maybe a couple couples. But um, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, their daughter, Danny, um, they were immediately plunged into the new Avengers. So they go from being street level heroes to being this new married couple to being now part of the Avengers. And then as soon as things actually start doing, you know, doing all right for them. Things are actually going well. The civil war happens. And then what happens? Luke Cage becomes the leader of the new Avengers, but now they're, they're on the run. They're not even street level heroes. Now they're criminals. So you get to see this great 
big arc of their marriage already starting off kind of shaky because uh, of the baby that they're about to have. Then they go and they're, they're at like the top level of the MCU being with, you know, the new Avengers and then they become criminals and then they become the top again. And then, you know, I mean, they, they go from fighting just regular people to fighting Dr. Doom, Skrull invasions, and they don't do this as Luke Cage, with his wife, they do this as Luke Cage and Jessica Jones. Like they're a true partnership and you get to see them at so many different points in their marriage. Um, I mean, they, they beat, they, they beat out most people. I think, uh, they're an, they're an incredibly underrated comic book couple, but they're probably, they, they were only second for me only because you've seen more of Lois and Superman. I think if maybe they had, you know, the same longevity in terms of their marriage and their relationship and stuff, um, I probably would have given the edge to Luke Cage and super and, uh, and not Luke Cage and Superman, uh, some fan fiction out there, <laughs> but, uh, Luke, Luke someday Cage, that so might actually be a couple, you who, know, who knows the, the way the things are going, uh, Jessica Jones. And, and Luke I think Cage. Superman, I think Luke would be very supportive to be honest. I think he would be a great husband <laughs> to Superman, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think just because we, you know, Superman Lois have more time on Luke and Jessica that's it. Even though I think with Luke and Jessica, we've seen a lot more shit happen in terms of the highs and lows of how things are. Um, I, I think that's the only reason why I gave number the number one spot to uh, Superman Lois, just because of time wise. And, and and Lois was there when when Superman died. I mean that that episode we did yeah. Death of Superman, like that was talking about going through a lot with someone. Yeah, that was it. I mean Luke hasn't died, Jessica hasn't died. I mean to see that aspect that takes it up a notch. Like a whole oh, mile. Not only was she there when he died, um, she literally tried to defend him against Doomsday. Like, I mean, she stood in the way. She was like, no, you're not going after my and, man, and she's you got, giant she, destructive alien. And she's got no powers. No powers at all. I mean, and then that was uh, that was one of the badass moments in the Death of Superman. You guys got to go back and listen to the Death of Superman uh, episode we did. Uh, that that was one story that I, I got to say, reading it, it was it was way more fun than I remember it. It was actually a very well done. I like it know, more encapsulated now story. than I did when I was a kid reading it. Yeah, no, for sure. I actually enjoyed it a lot more. Uh, you know, the fallout and everything surrounding it. Well, we'll have to take a look at that. That that's on the agenda. But uh, just the the self contained story itself is awesome, and she was a huge part of that. And uh, and just there when he died, there when he comes back, man, this woman for these years, I, I've kind of glossed over Jessica Jones and and um, um, Luke Cage, but you know just to get into Lois more. I mean, she has spent years helping him cover up this ridiculous secret identity thing where all he does is, is put glasses on and, and, you know, slick his hair back. Uh, somehow she has been able to, you know, been able to act like these are two separate people as well. Um, ridiculous enough that, that Clark does it, but she's also put on the same front. So I think she deserves accolades for that. Uh, now Jessica Jones is one of those characters that, because of when I kind of dipped out of comics and dipped back in, never that familiar with her. I don't think she was even a character until what, like the early 2000s? Another Bendis creation. Another Bendis creation. Here he is again. Bendis, Bendis Uatu. Uatu the Bendis. Bendis the Watcher. Um, and uh, so I, I never really knew that much about her. The most I know about the Jessica Jones character is from the series Jessica Jones and her tryst with Luke Cage there. Uh, so again, this is another issue where, where I can't, I don't have that much of a, of a knowledge of them as a comic book couple per se. Uh, but from what I've seen of them, a little bit I saw them in Secret War. Um, they seem like a good couple. They seem happy together. So I won't, I won't give you much resistance. What I am going to give you resistance on 
is the fact that my number one couple wasn't even on your list, didn't even scratch the surface. So this is the one I'm really interested to get into. So yeah. let's move on to my number one pick. I'm not sure. Do you, I'm curious if you have any guesses. Do you have any know, idea in I your mind? Don't say it, it out loud. I know who it is. I'll say that. And this is why there there is a reason why they're not on my top five. Yeah. So this this might be the most contentious. Again, nostalgia is a big factor for me. As many of you might have heard on the uh, the little episode we did over with Jim from Weird Science, I talked about the very first issue of a comic book I read. That issue was Fantastic Four number 357. So, of course, there is no more nostalgia for me than the Fantastic Four. And there is no better couple to me. Then Reed and Sue Richards. Um, and I, I already know where you're going to go with this. I already know. I know. She's always getting flirty with Namor. I know. That's I know. I know. Literally that, <laughs> okay, that, that is literally it. Her and Reed are terrible together. Ah, oh, come on. They're, they're absolutely terrible. There's like a 15-year like age difference. All he does is focus on himself. And he doesn't really even begin to love her until they have kids, which even then, she, he creates that distance. He doesn't even really care about the kids until they become as smart as he is. And then he begins to take an interest. So you've got this incredibly hot younger woman who's having your kids and you barely pay attention to her and then you barely pay attention to them until the kids start talking and making their own shit and meanwhile namor loves her for who she is and she loves namor (laughs) so it's one of those situations where it's like you know this is like a bad like you know dirty romance novel it's like will she go for her husband who has a 401k and a job or will she go with the (laughs) king of atlantis (laughs) with the little with the little wings on his ankles yeah it's like it's one of those situations where it's like i genuinely think that namor respects Sue as a person. And I really don't think Reed Richards ever really has. I think he only really appreciates her when she threatens to leave him and she's filed divorce papers on him twice, twice. And she almost left him a third time during the civil war. Whereas if Namor, I feel like he, he respects her for her. Whereas Mr. Fantastic only fights for his marriage when he thinks he's, she's going to leave the team and stuff like that. Look, I will not defend. I will not defend Reed Richards as the greatest husband in the world, uh, but the man does what he has to do. Okay, he's an inventor. He's a scientist. Uh, he he his drive. The reason that the Baxter Building, or maybe it's Four Freedom Towers now, the reason that they have all of this. By all of this, I mean these crazy powers and this position they have in the universe. They have saved the world multiple times. Yes, it has at times put a strain on their marriage. But hey, they they've said there wouldn't be a, an earth to have a, a shitty marriage on if it wasn't for Reed Richards' mind and and his uh, inventiveness. Um, th- it's part of who he is. And at the end of the day, yes, they've had their problems. Sue is always, always, always put up with him completely being detached, always being inside of of whatever he's got going on in his head. His latest crazy invention that he has to test on the whole gang, uh, you know, and uh, whatever mind contraption he has, wants to send him into the negative zone one week. Yeah, yeah, he's he's not maybe the best husband. But he's who he needs to be. He's who he needs to be. He slut shamed her one time in the nineties when she when she when she cut up her uniform and stuff. And you know, Reed is like, Sue, you're a mother. <laughs> it's like I, I did love a, that she's uniform. A, she's, I a, gotta in, say. she's a strong, independent woman who don't need no man, but she tolerates Reed. She tolerates tolerates is one way to put it. Um <laughs> Who she accepts despite his flaws because she loves who he is and knows that he needs to be who he is and knows that she needs 
her. She needs the strong woman that she is, the 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 woman who can take him and put him into a uh, invisible bubble to take pull him aside from it and have a talk with him and and and, and give him a little stern talking to and set him on the track the right track and realize, hey, take a second here, take it, take a second to think about your family, snap out of your little invention thing for just a second, and he she is what keeps him. They are a yin and yang together, you know. She is you. He needs the to be able to express his mind and uh, create inventions and do all this crazy shit, and she needs to be that force that sort of pulls him back to some semblance of a family person whereas she is really the mother she is the best mother she's an amazing mother and he needs she kind of needs him too to keep her somewhat grounded in, in what they need to be doing in their sort of superhero world and in the fact that they do need to defend the earth because they are they are in this very special position to do so and have been many times uh over their history so yes on the surface you can certainly see a lot of issues a lot of problems but they have been together they have the longevity longevity they've been together through difficult times I think that is a uh, a trait that maybe runs throughout a lot of my couples. Maybe all my couples, you would say. They have been together through the most difficult times. And no matter what those times were, no matter what clashes they had, no matter when if, if, if there were good times, bad times, uh, foursome pregnancies, uh, being at the club <laughs> during maximum carnage, uh, whatever it may be, they're always there for each other because a, a real relationship isn't about everything always being perfect. It's about being your yin and yang. And I think Sue and Reed are a perfect yin and yang for each other. Why, why do you think Namor and Sue aren't? Because they're not a yin and yang. They're a, a yang and yang. So you think they're, almost, yin and yin. they're almost too similar? Kind of. I can yeah, see I mean, that. Well, you know, look, Namor's got the hot bod. He's got he's got the throne. He's got the wings on his ankles. I get it. But, uh, you know, he he's the fantasy man. He's not the real man. He's not going to be the husband. He's really not going to be the man of the house. You know, he's going to be traipsing around with some other Atlantean chicks. I mean, come on. You, you, Namor's not going to be the stable husband you need. She probably should have tapped that Namor, you know, before she, she sealed everything up with Reed, but just not how, th- how things worked out. Namor would have been great for a good tryst when she was younger, but it's too late for that now. We got Franklin. We have the kids. Uh, uh, yeah, we've moved on. And Namor, maybe Namor's a ni- nice little temptation out there, but come on. That's not, Namor's not going to be the husband, the father, the leader that Sue needs. Mm. No, that's Reed Richards. Ha- have Reed you been, is the man. Have you been reading King in Black by Donnie Cates? I have. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know what issue it's in. I know it's early, and I think I'm an issue behind. But, okay, not, we're going to spoil it. When thing goes down with the, with the, with the venom symbiote God coming down to earth, causing shit when shit goes down in the Avengers and the fantastic four and everyone are freaking out. Who's the one person who Sue calls? She calls Namor. Well, why him though? Because he's, he, he can't, he's got an Atlantean army behind him. He cannot do that much. He cannot, he's never actually done that much. That you've seen. Okay, Infinity War, which we did a few episodes back, where Thanos kills half the Marvel Universe. Where is Thanos? I'm sorry, where is Namor? He's a cameo in one page. One page! He's always always the threat, but we've never actually seen him be the threat. He doesn't do a whole whole lot, I I think. I think she calls him, one, because she thinks that he'll be able to help, but also because I think she thinks that they're all going to die. And she wants to die in Namor's arms. <laughs> she wants one last run, one last grab of those wings. Let's, let's go. I'll go down. under the water, Namor. <laughs> you know, the greatest couples are going to deal with so many different things, including temptation. And, you know, Namor is always there as, as Sue's temptation. Uh, but come on. 
This is not. This is not the, the, going to be the father of her children. This is not going to be uh, a, a lifelong mate. That's never what Namor was going to be. Let's be honest. And Namor never really saw Sue that way. Yeah, I think I think they respect each other. And they've had a good working relationship, and of course, there's some sexual tension there. Yes, but as a that real couple, speedo. no, I don't see it. And the speedo, I mean, that's speedo. <laughs> But uh, they're my number one. Uh, I, I can't. I can't necessarily discount all your arguments. And I think that's that's one of the things that again I think are consistent among my couples. Makes them. They've been through a lot. It makes them all interesting. And uh, yeah, we don't we don't see these things necessarily eye to eye. But that's that's the whole point here. That's the whole point of this show. I think my standards are really low. Don't cheat on your spouse. <laughs> don't abort their child. <laughs> don't 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 run away and shame them for their destiny. <laughs> And be supportive. <laughs> I think that's it. I think those are very basic things. <laughs> those are decent standards. <laughs> but not everybody can live up to the Renzo standards of relationships, okay? Okay. I'm sorry I'm asking for so little. Here, here's a question. Who is your least favorite comic book couple? Um, I'm going to say Cyclops and Jean Grey. Oh, God. Okay, yeah. I think we're on the same page. Is that too easy or is it too obvious or is it just obvious enough? I think I think it's more obvious now because more people who were on the fence about whether or not they liked it as soon as the, the Hickman thropple began, which I feel so bad for Emma Stone. I wanted to put, so I think, an, uh, here, I'll, I'll add an honorary mention. An honorary mention was uh not Emma Stone. Um was Cyclops and Emma Frost because they were together when I started reading uh the comics when Bendis was writing Messiah Complex and I always felt like what was missing between Jean Grey and Cyclops versus Cyclops and Emma Stone was that I always feel like Cyclops I'm sorry not Emma Stone Emma Frost between Cyclops, Cyclops and between <laughs> between Cyclops and Emma Frost was that they brought out the best in each other and with Jean Grey and Cyclops it always felt like they were obligated to be together because they've always been together yeah I I I was liked uh, I like yeah, it seems like Gene Gray and Cyclops were just together because that's, that's the way we wrote them, not because they actually seem like a good couple. Like for and them, I felt I, obligated. The only, like, everything I've seen from Cyclops and Emma as a couple has been when Cyclops is more in his, is his sort of bad phase, I guess. But now even in the Hickman thing, it's like a, there's the thruple thing with, with Wolverine, but there's also, there's these hints with Emma and Cyclops too. Like she recognizes that they are a thing or were a thing. It's all very weird and all very strange um, in the Hickman verse. But uh, yeah, I, I yeah, like Jean Grey and Wolverine as a couple more. Yeah, right now Jean Grey and and uh, and Wolverine are in more panels together throughout the books. X Force, Uncanny X Men. You, all, all you ever see when you see Cyclops and Jean Grey is them just holding hands and staring longingly at each other. But who's she in the hot tub with? She's in <laughs> she's in the hot tub with Wolverine. <laughs> I will give, I should give an honorable mention. There's not a couple I just thought of that, you know, they haven't necessarily been a great couple, but I, I enjoyed uh, watching their shenanigans and flirtatiousness growing up. That would be uh, Gambit and Rogue. You now, see, they are, that's so, a tough they couple. are so much better than Gene and Cyclops. Well, the problem there is he can't actually touch her. So Now he can. Now he can, right? Or uh, am I wrong? Kind of this? I don't know. I don't know. I can't you. keep up. Huh. I don't know what's going on with him right now. They did the Mr. and Mrs. X series right before the Hickman relaunch where it was them. And I think they can touch each other because I think they're trying to have a kid. Oh, okay. Well, my classic version, he was just always hitting on her and then he couldn't actually do anything because of the whole thing. So yeah, not enough full body condoms can help that happen. (laughs) No. 
Uh, I did always love Rogue, though. Big, big Rogue fan. I, I always felt like her and Iceman in the movies just felt weird. That was that was I was never I was natural. never OK with that now. She's a hard she's a hard character to pair up with people. I always feel like fans always have kind of a crush on Rogue, but when you really think about it, her and Gambit are really the only couple that actually do well together and they don't seem well with anybody else. Like with everyone that I kind of mentioned, like originally I was going to have Cable and Storm, even though they've never been like a canon couple. Uh, they they were basically kind kind of sort of a couple in the 90s. And then during Liefeld's uh, major X storyline, which may or may not be canon, um, her and Cable have a son who is major X. And then they, you know, when they learn this, when he goes back to the past, they're just like, oh, well, I guess it was going to happen eventually. Almost like they're just okay with it. They just haven't actually had time to sit down and talk about it. But there are a couple where it's like, you know, you could pair him up with different people. Like with, uh, with Daredevil, I like almost all his love interests. I like, uh, Karen Page, Electra. I even Electra's like, I, a good one. I even like Typhoid Mary. I thought that would have been something interesting if they furthered that. But like with, with Gambit and Rogue, I can't really see them with anybody else. Yeah. Another honorable mention I had, I guess was, I had a uh, Wolverine and, uh, Eureka. Oh, that's sad. Love interest from yeah, back in the day. Oh, that was on. sad. But that was a real love. That's that that a real was. Love. I think that's probably his only genuine love. Oh, uh, oh, yeah, another, yeah. another, another honorary mention: uh, Angel and Psylocke. Angel and Psylocke. Angel and Psylocke were a thing. Huh. And uh, she when was that. She it was in the mid two thousands when they moved oh, to San okay. Francisco. That, that's why my dark period. Yeah. So like a- Angel and uh, Psylocke were a thing, and they were even on X Force together. And the great thing about Psylocke is that she was able to keep Angel from going full Archangel because he has that werewolf power where he can go between being Angel the good guy and Archangel who's gonna cut everyone in half and shit with his wings. Uh, that that was that was pretty good. They they don't get enough credit though. I think everyone always wants Psylocke to somehow end up with other people. She dated Phantom X for a while, which just felt forced and awkward. And then they wanted her to have a thing with Wolverine. But her and Angel, they always seem to be the one couple where it's like they're they're different and they don't try and change each other and they accept each other's flaws. She accepts that he's got this evil Horseman of Apocalypse side, and he accepts the fact that she feels uncomfortable because she. Will always be in somebody else's body uh, is Betsy Braddock. So like that was one of those things where it's like, don't try and change your, your other. That's why I never liked MJ and Peter Parker because she always wanted to change him. She always wanted him to stop. She never really accepted him. I think the best couples in comics are the ones that accept each other as Sue accepts Reed. She tolerates him. She tolerates his <laughs> bullshit because they have kids. I bet you this when, when Franklin and Valeria become adults in the comics, Sue and Reed will no longer have a reason to be together. I, yeah, I think I, we'll I think see. them. Then we'll have to redo this list. Yeah, I think them getting divorced is in the cards, and then they'll oh, get back okay. together. They'll marry again. But if like, Hickman gets back a hold of them, it's <laughs> possible. It's quite possible. Uh, and then Namor will live in the other room, and we'll have a whole blueprint uh, ch- flow chart this showing is how the, the whole layout of the house. Works. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't uh, think anyway. I don't think Reed would be okay with that. I think of Reed as a pretty conservative person. I don't think he would do that. <laughs> oh, he, he would he would be on the phone with Cyclops late at night. 
so, chatting Scott, on WhatsApp about I can't their sleep. awkward predicaments. I can hear them. <laughs> they got a <laughs> water come bed. Over? <laughs> <laughs> Start a support group. <laughs> but uh, uh, I forgot what the word is. Oh, yeah. Hello, I'm Reed Richards, and I'm a cuck. Hello, Reed. <laughs> I'm Scott. Hi, Reed. I'm Scott. <laughs> I'm actually okay with it. I'm here for the coffee. <laughs> I heard there'd be donuts, though. Are there donuts? Okay, before, anyway. before we go, <laughs> one couple I hope never happens, Professor X and Jean Grey. Oh, God. Why would that happen? Because they tease that several no. times. No. Going way back to X-Men issue two. And then they brought it oh, up. Oh yeah. Again. In the beginning they, the they beginning, were, yeah, but they bef- brought it yeah. up again in ultimate X-Men issue 67, right before professor X dies for a couple issues. So it's one of those things that they keep coming back to at the most uncomfortable times. And it's just something that everyone should just agree should never happen. Well, now that he's CrossFit professor X, it that's seems what, a that's more... what makes me worried. It's like, Ugh. what if she's, she, what if she wants to turn it into a quadruple. Jonathan Hickman, if you're listening, don't, don't, don't do, do it. it. Don't do it. <laughs> I know uh, you're tempted. I know you see a lot of flow charts in this, a lot of flow chart and blueprint potential. But don't do the it. The houses are going to start getting extensions. <laughs> there's gotta be, there's gotta be a line somewhere. Uh, that should be the line. That's all I got. All right. Well, I had fun. I had fun about looking at these, these couples, even if we don't necessarily see eye to eye on what a couple should be on what a great comic book couple should be, but that's okay. That's why we do this show. We have different thoughts, different opinions, and we're here each and every week to do them each and every Wednesday. You'll get another, I'd say another, we're headed, we're headed back to format next week. We're going back into some stories after a couple of weeks of, uh, you know, some, some lighter hearted material this week, looking at the best comic book couples, uh, last week, looking at the what ifs, but next week we're going to be diving right back into our, our deep dive format. Now that you've had the time, I think, I think you're about 95% recovered. And by next week, you'll, you'll be completely coup free. We will, we will have Remso rants coming back. We'll have episodes as, as normal. I will not be coughing and muting as often as you have not seen, but really, Really, uh, you know, I had I, I have my other podcast, as you all know, uh, that was hosted uh, twice by my good friend Brian Nichols, and uh, he did a great job, and he did full monologues like what I would typically do a few times a month. But uh, you know, I want to thank Mark for picking up the slack, uh, trying to pull me in when he could watch me mute and cough and choke on blood off camera. So you know, kudos to Mark on this one, and kudos to all of you. You all make this so worth it. There's one thing I forced myself to do despite everything else when I should be resting and shutting the fuck up. Uh, it, it's all of you at the second print comics fan zone, our patrons, our listeners are the most important thing ever. If you're listening to this, you're the reason why I'm willing to fight the bat flu stew virus and, uh, you know, come to you and talk about things that we all love to talk about. Indeed, indeed. And we'll keep doing it. I will continue to be talking about, again, WandaVision recaps for our patrons. Patreon.com slash secondprintpod. You get WandaVision recaps. You get me doing some further dives into books like Savage Dragon. Thinking to be diving a bit into Hellboy a bit soon as well. Uh, and you get Remzo rants. They'll be making their triumphant return now that the couve has been purged. Uh, and that's it. Patreon.com slash secondprintpod. And if you just want to help us out but don't want to toss us that five bucks or more a month, that's okay. A great way to do that. 
is to leave us a five-star rating and a great review on Apple Podcasts is the place we'd ask you to because that uh, helps the most with the algorithms. A lot of podcast apps pull from Apple. So even if you don't think you're listening on off Apple, you might be actually. Uh, so any reviews, five-star ratings, great reviews there do a ton to help us uh, get more exposure, have the algorithms push ups up in those search results. So uh, that is the easiest way to help us out. Of course, check out, uh, we're doing a lot of content over there. Remso's been posting a lot of stuff over at our website, Second Print comics.com so don't forget to check that out as hey, well fan and, films um, cosplay fan films, cosplay other stuff you know reviews what you say. we've got other stuff. we've got we've got all, all the it. stuff all of it it's beautiful all the stuff all the things it's a a, a pure nerd haven over at second print comics so secondprintcomics.com check out everything we're doing until next time remzo you got any more messages for the for the friends out there nothing else other than read comics change the world change the world united america adios Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.